This is Live Well Talk on St. Luke's Transitional Care Center. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health St. Luke's Hospital. Joining me today or returning to the program is Dr. Cleet Younger, Unity Point Clinic Family Medicine Physician and Medical Director of St. Luke's Transitional Care Center. Uh, to discuss who we serve at the center, our long-term care options, and what new options we have, as well as availability, and how to select the right place for your loved one's healing journey. Dr. Younger, welcome back. Thank you very much. Uh, second podcast, right? No, you've done a couple. You've this done, might be uh, four. Yeah, yeah. This might be four. You're a veteran. Award-winning podcast. Sorry, I dr- forgot to put that tagline in there. Um, how you been? been good you know we're I mean, evolving from the uh you know the three years of covid dominating healthcare, and now i feel like we're getting back to you know where we can actually focus on other things there was so much of all hands on deck to get past the pandemic it's nice to be able to get back to you know really focusing on health and getting people healthier as opposed to just surviving the pandemic well i, I want to start by uh complimenting you and your team and the groundwork that you did early on in the pandemic to set uh, end of life care goals for patients that uh, would probably not have survived a hospitalization if they were admitted. And I think that was a huge impact to the community, both hospitals. And I know Mercy is grateful as well, uh, because that did allow uh, resource management to be a little bit more flexible than perhaps it could have been. Uh, so congratulations to you and your team. It's we it, I just want to recognize that. Thank you. Um, but you're first of all, you're like you're you're like me. You're medical director of like seven thousand things, right? <laughs> Eight nursing facilities. Eight nursing facilities. Uh, right. Hospice, and then I work in my family medicine clinic too. Right. Wow. Um, that's amazing. And how many nurse practitioners are on your team now? We have three nurse practitioners that are full time doing post acute care. Wow. That is that is really. That's phenomenal. But we are very blessed in that we have, they're very experienced. They all were critical care nurses before they became nurse practitioners. So they're very versed at taking care of very sick patients. So they transitioned into the post-acute role very well. And we actually have a great, like, happy team that works really well together. We're really tight. And that that helps a lot because, you know, I don't think we experience any burnout working together at all. Even on hard days, you know, everybody gets along so well, we're just not burned out. And that allows us to, you know, be really efficient and take on hard things and not have that, you know, affect what we're doing. Well, I've, I've often said it's those hard days where you go home and go, hey, they needed me today. Like if everything just goes perfect, you're like, God, I could have really called in today and, uh, you know, done it over the phone, really. Right. right? Yeah. You know, so it's nice when they need you. But, but uh, Transitional Care Center. Out on uh, Council Street. Um, is that Cedar Rapids or Robbins? It is technically Cedar, Cedar Rapids. Rapids. It's okay. kind of wrapped in with Robbins and Hiawatha. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, the map is interesting there. So. I, I, I'm a Robbins resident, so uh, uh, proudly. Uh, and, and a Hiawatha hometown, so uh, very familiar with that area. Um, when did we, when did, when was it built? So it opened in July of 2019. 2019. So mm-hmm. pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Yep. Um, and then it has the capacity for how many? We have 46 beds. 46 beds. Now tell us about the the what the transition center does, uh, and what is the you know what is the just what 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 
primary patient population is it focusing on? So we're really looking at the patient that has had an acute hospitalization that needs a prolonged course of monitoring. So there's been a lot of push in the United States to try to shorten hospitalizations, just to use the resources we have in the hospital appropriately, but then start moving people to different levels of care. Even though we have rehabilitation like physical therapy during a hospitalization, that's really not necessarily the primary goal. It's really stabilizing the medical uh, condition. And when patients move from the hospital to skilled rehab, which is what we do at the TCC, that increases the number of hours of rehab that a patient gets as far as strengthening, moving around, and doing those sorts of activities because we have a longer period of time to work with the patient. So, you know, our length of stay is somewhere between 12 and 14 days. You can obviously do a lot different with therapy in a 12-day period of time than you could in just a 24 or 48-hour hospitalization. And that's really where we have a lot of expertise is the multiple modalities with therapy, with speech, occupational, and physical therapy to work on patient strengthening. And then also there's certain medical conditions sometimes that when a patient leaves the hospital, it's better than when it was what it was in the hospital, but it's still unstable. And there's risk of a medical condition deteriorating, getting worse or changing. And by coming to a skilled stay, we're able to continue to monitor those medical issues and fix things if they deteriorate. If a new problem develops, which is common after somebody's been hospitalized, we can address that new problem and treat it. And it gives a buffer between the hospitalization and return to home or whatever home is going to be after that for us to stabilize people. I, it, you know, I've been, um, had this mantra my whole career. And so it was, a, I was a medical student and I remember reading a small study from Great Britain, National Health Service, and they gave, so mid nineties, right? Early nineties. And they gave patients post self, uh, self-addressed postal cards. And they said, they went home after hospitalization. They said, you put this card in the mail every day that you don't feel like you're back to yourself and quit doing it when you feel like you're back to yourself. And it turned out for about every day you were in the hospital, it took three days to get your strength back mm-hmm. at home. And I've used that kind of formula uh, in prepping patients uh, my whole career. And it's pretty accurate, really. You know, if you're in the hospital for, you know, five days, it's going to take you 15 days at home to finally get back. It's not going to happen quickly. You're not just going to roll out of here. Yeah, I agree. And and feel that you're back to normal. I don't know in your practice, have you had the opportunity to take care of any like old physicians? I have. Um, That's actually one of the, one of the most challenging patients I've ever taken care of was a family physician who had Parkinson's disease in a nursing facility. Wow. Because you could see that person that was you in them. And that actually, that was one of the hardest patients I've ever taken care of. I had a patient that was in his late nineties and I took care of him. This was in Grinnell and he was a retired internal medicine doctor, but he would just fascinate me with these stories. Like, you know, if you had an injury, they particularly a heart attack, they'd put you to bed rest for a month. You know, that was, that was the treatment. Oh, you've just had pneumonia. You need to lay in bed for a month. Yeah. It's crazy. Recover. (laughs) We're the exact opposite. Yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. so, uh, and I always think about those you, you, those MRIs of the astronauts when they're in a weightless environment and how their muscles atrophy. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not synonymous, but it makes you think about if you just, I, and I say this, maybe you'll disagree or agree. If you just took a healthy 90-year-old and said, lay in bed for four days, they're going to be deconditioned on day five. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could set somebody back and they'd never recover. Yeah. Like, you may have shifted somebody's baseline. Yeah. Even with that. You know, so... And that's if then now you throw a pneumonia and a bladder infection and 
uh, you know, a, a TIA or a small stroke on top of that, and it even gets worse. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, this I think this this concept of that transitional back to home uh, is is one that, particularly as hospital medicine, we it was neglected for a long period of time. I think since you've been in practice and your leadership certainly has put it forefront, but there was a time I don't think it was really well thought out that post acute. Yeah. I mean, the care. feedback we get quite a bit from patients like, oh my gosh, they're making me do all this stuff. Cause even though there's dedicated times of therapy, people don't realize there's all the other stuff that we make people do. Like you have to walk to dinner. And if we want you to walk longer, we'll put you in a room farther away from the dining room in order to like, so those are therapeutic things too. Right. Like there's, there's people, they're being pushed all day to do different things aside, even just from their, their therapy yeah. interactions. Yeah. They sleep better at night though, right? I mean, yeah. And, the, yeah. I, and, I we talk, I do, yeah. and we talk about it too, like, you know, everybody wants to be home and nobody wants to, you know, not be at home, but really we are trying to maximize every moment of time they're there because we want them to leave our facility with the most strength they've gained or the stable medical condition that we can get to. And it, it, it takes a lot of, you know, pressing and people are mentally get kind of fatigued with that, but the outcomes are better if you're able to get the most out of your time there when you're, when you're fascinating you know, in that setting. And, and so, what other, I mean, physical therapy comes to mind, occupational therapy. What other therapies and services do, does the transitional care center provide? So speech therapy is a big part of so it too. Speech, okay. And so what's, when people hear speech, they often think, oh, it's just about swallowing. It's not. Speech therapy actually encompasses a lot of cognitive testing. So our speech therapists do cognitive tests on our patients. And that really helps kind of dictate what's the expectation going forward. Unfortunately, a hospitalization in a skilled stay is often a time where families start to rethink where are we going? Is it safe for mom or dad or my parents to still live in this home, for example? And so speech therapy gets involved with us because they're able to help us with that cognitive testing to correlate with the physical functioning and medical functioning so that we can help be predictive of, you know, where is the best place for this person to go? Unfortunately, in the United States, a lot of times people choose to go from home to a higher level of care after they've broken something or got really well, sick. You, you know, know? This, I have a saying, nobody goes to rehab halfway to rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't wake up one day and say, gosh, I'm halfway to rock bottom. I better go to rehab. Mm-hmm. No, you completely hit rock bottom and you're like, whoa, I have a problem here. Same same with healthcare. You know, you, you, you know, mom is is and mom might not be agreeable to having that conversation mm-hmm. until she breaks her hip. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's human nature, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I never get frustrated or surprised at that with patients. That's just that's just the way we are. It's the way we're wired. But you're right that those conversations. A lot of it, it happens late in the game. Yeah. We do spend a lot of time on that. You know, one of the things that's unique about our program, too, with our post-acute program is our nurse practitioners, unlike a lot of other parts of healthcare, actually don't have any production part of their salary at all. They are totally salaried. And so if we need to spend two hours talking to a family, we spend two hours talking to a family. Yeah. There's no 15 minutes. I got to go to this next place yeah. and next next place. We have total flexibility. And so that allows us to have a lot of hard conversations. And the MPs on our team really are focused on they want to have those discussions with families along the way. And so that's one of the ways we think that we're successful is not just the acute medical stuff, stabilizing the therapy part, but really spending the time with patients and families in order to let's make a plan for What's going to happen next? This hip fracture is a sentinel moment in your life to think about maybe living in a split level home with three sets of stairs is not the best option. Let's talk about what else we can do. And then we can complement, you know, our discussion about somebody's medical situation with social work 
and then the community resources that we have access to to be like if we can't live here where can we live that we still have a choice in wanting to be there yeah that's uh, you know i'll be 54 coming up here and you start thinking about that oh, can i live in this house when i'm 70 you know i built I mean? a new home five years ago and our main floor has no stairs there's no stairs from our garage it's completely flat so my wife and i could live there and not have to use a single stair um, just because in my experience, stairs are bad because we see a lot of issues with stairs. But yeah, you have to think about yeah, that. Yeah, you start like, wondering about that. And I, we have some good friends that they build a home um, that, you know, they're not, they're about the same age as me. And I remember when they built it, he's like, yeah, I built it flat, you know, so we could live there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not even thinking about that yeah. stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Because it's it. a reality, like somebody who lives in a home with stairs, there will be a point when you cannot live there. Like, yeah. I mean, that is a hard stop. You know, if you have a bedroom on a different floor than your main level, that is not sustainable. Either you need a chairlift or you're going to have to go somewhere else. I mean, nobody can live in a house with stairs forever. It's interesting. Yes, that is. That And that's, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that you know, I can just hear the physical therapist talking like out on the floors when they're like, well, they have stairs at home. You know, and that's like puts it in a whole nother risk category. It does. As yeah. far as getting them back home. Mm-hmm. Now, occupational therapy. If I could go back and do it, I think I'd be an occupational therapist because they do like a lot of clever things. I just think it's so cool. But, uh, you know, sometimes patients say, well, I don't have a job. I'm retired. No, that's they're not here to teach you how to do a job. It's not vocational therapy. It's occupational therapy. Uh, so we, occupational therapy is out there as well. Yep. Yep. We have PTOT and speech. Yeah. Right? Yep. That, that, that's, that's, and all those modalities are involved with every patient. So, yeah. Yeah. When they come out there, they get assessed by everyone when they come. Now. We were talking prior to the podcast. There's going to be a long-term care option out at uh, the transitional transitional care unit. Um, tell tell us about that. How how is that coming about? So when we first so in the in Iowa, if you were to go across the state, most skilled rehab is done in long-term nursing facilities. So most facilities have a population of patients that live there for a period of time, and then they also will see post-hospital patients for a skilled stay. When we first kind of had the idea and Peg Bradkey and her, you know, kind of vision right, when she yeah. did this back in 2017 and 18 before we built it, was to try to create a facility where it was skilled patients only. Um, and that was unique. It's the only facility that really ever did that in the state of Iowa. Um, we have of course, opened in July of 2019 and the whole healthcare world got turned upside down in 2020. And so that's had to kind of make us think about like that model of care and how our population has changed and what the expectations from families are. So instead of having an all skilled facility, we're actually trying to create some sort of long-term component to our facility because one, we're not using the beds that we have and that's not good. You know, we have like, we have our nurse practitioner team based in the facility it's branded under unity point like we should actually try to serve as many patients as possible right and if the use of skilled care in the united states has changed because of the pandemic and managed care you know those are two big reasons they've changed how we do skilled rehab then we should really then try to maximize the beds we have in this high quality facility to take care of patients long term too so where we weren't really open to that you know several years ago now we're going to try to have a consistent population of patients that are there for long-term care so that we we can maximize, you know, that that experience at the TCC. We'll still have lots of skilled patients coming through, but we will have, you know, a subset of the building that's dedicated to long-term care as well. And we do that in every other building. So the other seven buildings that I work at with my nurse practitioner team, all of those buildings have long-term and short-term patients. Right. So it's something we're experienced in. Uh, we're just kind of expanding that to the TCC so that it can do both as well. Well, it makes sense. It allows a greater degree of flexibility. Um, 
And a lot of patients come to the TCC and want to stay. You know, we would kind of do that on a one-off basis um, over the last four years. But now we're going to, you know, try to like maybe market that a little bit more. Like you've had a good experience here with your skilled stay. It, yeah, it's you a need a higher level of care. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. facility, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful facility. Let's, let's talk about the nurse practitioners. Um, you know, I, I hired Julie Shaw to work at Manor Care in the um, 2006, 2007. And so she then she was just based, you know, we had a nurse practitioner working there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was to complement the hospital's program. But now you, you've taken it to the whole ne- next level. Tell us about your team. You have three. Yeah. So so three nurse practitioners. Um, they all worked in, in high level healthcare That's before. Said, yeah. Yeah, two of them are critical care. And then they both got their geriatric nurse practitioner degree. Um, uh, our other nurse practitioner, she worked in Mercy Hospice for 14 years and then got her a nurse practitioner uh, degree. So all of them had a lot of nursing experience, um, which is actually really good in a skilled nursing facility because I'm not a nurse. And there's a lot of stuff I don't know about nursing and about how to care for patients. Like there's all sorts of like how to move a patient the right way, how you do things with different parts of people's bodies that nurses do that I don't know. Oh. So having these nurse practitioners is so good because they have the medical knowledge yeah. like a doctor, but that they have the experience of a nurse and it's great to combine them together. That's so funny because like I, I'm a nice guy, right? And so when I'm making rounds and my patient needs to be moved, I'm like, or they're trans, transitioning a patient. You know, I'm not just going to stand there. I'm going to help. And so often the nurses on the floors are like, just get the hell out of the way. You are in the way. You don't know what you're doing. And I don't. Right. Because we you haven't know, had the experience. Stand back and they're just like, you know, and they make it look so easy. Yeah. So, so I love having their nursing background. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll ask them questions and be like, how do you guys do this? Or like, yeah. why is this not working? Yeah. You know, I don't understand. And they're able to kind of describe that. And so having that nursing experience first is fantastic. And now, you know, they've all been in practice in our post-acute program all day, every day for, you know, a minimum of three years and some, you know, some up to eight years. So just having that volume of that subset of patient population, the experience is unbelievable. And we work, we have a shared kind of space where we have an office and there's nothing like that. Because if you have an odd situation, the, the best thing to be able to do as a physician is turn to your colleague and be like, this is what's going on. What do you think about this? Yeah, especially and, early oh, in your career. Yeah. yeah. So we got to bounce stuff off people, our users, our experience. So we're actually, the bigger the team, you know, gets, you know, now there's four of us working together, you know, even the better because we have all this knowledge base together and like, I've seen that exact thing. This is what you should do. This is what my outcome was. So it's been so helpful as it's grown. So now that we get, you know, are in eight facilities with my medical directorship, but we actually see patients in like 11 or 12 different facilities, we're able to combine all that knowledge together. Um, and we know a lot of the staff in other facilities now and we can collaborate with them and that's made it easier too. They know what to expect from us um, when we're seeing patients and, you know, so that's made it a lot more efficient and just really great people that we've been able to work with too. Yeah, I, I think I've said this about inpatient medicine and applies to skilled, I mean, nursing home medicine as well. It's, it's nurse-driven physician-guided where your clinic is the other way around. It's physician-driven, nurse-guided. You know, that patient mm-hmm. doesn't move through clinic till they touch you. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's two different problem-solving skills. It's You got to think about it differently. And it, it's it's interesting that you've had that same experience in your career. Well, you, Dr. Younger, you know, we've talked about all positive things, you know. But there's a real sort of kind of dread of going to a nursing home uh, or being sent to a nursing home uh, that it's, Talk about that, how how people approach that and how you guide people to making that decision uh, to have that 
whether it's extended care, skilled care, intermediate care. Tell us about how, how does that, how does that, what's been your experience in talking to patients about moving to a nursing home? The One of the things that's interesting is that as we've lived longer, people then we can stabilize medical problems longer, but then your functional decline still occurs associated with aging. So the reality is, is that people just lose function to a point where they need more assistance. And that can occur in assisted living or sometimes people need, you know, long term nursing care. Then it's about how can we make that the best experience possible for them? You know, so I think understanding that, you know, a patient individually sometimes will feel like I'm being sent there, but really the people around you, like, you know, our nurses, our team, like we're just trying to make the best experience, right? We don't want people to suffer. We want people to have the best experience they can. And I think that that is a core tenant of anybody who works in long-term care, you know, as it's intimidating to go to a nursing home right away, the longer you're in there, you really see that like everybody is there who's compassionate about let's make this person's life, what they have at this point the best that it can be. And one thing that's interesting about, you know, hospital nurses versus long-term care nurses, the relationships are an important thing. You know, as a long-term care nurse, if you work 40 hours or 50 hours in a nursing facility every week, your home is in that facility. Right. And you will see long-term care nurses really appreciate that, those relationships. And it's, and they appreciate knowing a patient, seeing the same person every day, having those consistent relationships. And that's different than what you see in the hospital where things are turning over every two days and you have new people all the time. And there's definitely personality types where that works very well for them. But a long-term care nurse, they want a relationship long-term. They wanna know somebody for a long time because that's basically their home. They spend as much time at that facility taking care of those residents than they do at home with their own family and their own kids. So you will see those personality types get there. And I think until you've Really had a lot of experience in long-term nursing, you don't understand that like this person who is the nurse for my dad actually probably cares about them almost as much as I do oh, yeah, yeah, because I they've gone there with the idea this is a home-like environment. So I think approaching, you know, as a family approaching that idea of long-term nursing, I think approaching it that this is different than the hospital. And these people are here because they like long-term relationships and they want to take care of my loved ones and they want to make the best experience possible for them. Um, and it's going to be different than what you see in the hospital, but that's the whole point of that. Um, and really trying to get to know the staff because they're your family too now because they're with you um, and going at it from that perspective of now we have a new family we just have to adapt to this a little bit let's make it the best that we can yeah and and as a physician you when you get my experience when I get a phone call from a, a nursing home nurse that sees that patient you know all day every day that and they say the patient doesn't look right or doesn't feel well I'm like yeah they don't you know I mean it's you really you, yeah you do get a sense of ownership in uh, community. Mm -hmm. uh, you really get a sense of community. Yeah, people sure. are very prideful for where they work. You know, yeah. they want their place to be the best because that's their home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did. That's that's interesting. Um, well, thanks for joining me again today. Mm -hmm. uh, and once again, uh, Dr. Cleet Younger, who is with Unity Point uh, Family Medicine Physician at the uh, Medical District. Is that what is it? The Medical District? Family Medicine oh. Medical District. Family is, Medicine yeah. Medical District. Um, and also medical director of just about everything, uh, but including St. Luke's Transitional Care Center. For more information on short-term rehabilitation, as well as long-term nursing services provided at the center, call 319-366-8701. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers. 
about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.